All right, all right. All right. We got everybody on? Hello, Hello. Jen. How are you? I haven't seen you for a long time. I know. How are you, Nick? I am doing great. Good. Awesome. Harry, yeah. good to see you as well. Yeah, likewise. How you been? I- We've got Nick Lake. Nick, of course, comes uh, formerly from uh, Nielsen and from uh, Andrews Distributing. And what are you up to now? And Heineken. And Heineken. That's right. I forgot about that. What have you been up to lately? Well, you know, Harry, I uh, I retired last June. And uh, I tell you what, it's, it's one of these things where I was lucky to uh, work for some amazing companies along with some amazing people. But this retirement gig... I love my boss. I love my own schedule. <laughs> Literally the best gig I've had. And, uh, you know, I've been uh, spending a lot of time with family and friends, playing a little golf, and I'm unfortunately not getting any better. Uh, no. Well, I haven't gotten that whole one yet. And uh, doing a little bit of work in the community and some consulting with some friends. So uh, staying pretty busy. Good. All right. Good. Well, um, I wanted to quick. I wanted to touch real quick upon uh, Molson Coors and AB had their earnings this morning, and there weren't any big surprises out of it. Um, I wanted to touch on Molson Coors cutting a hundred SKUs. Two things on that. Um, one is it's very rare for a big brewery to cut SKUs. Very rare, and the reason for that is because you might you might be in a part of the country and say, why is, you know, why is Molson Coors still making, you know, mm-hmm. Henry's hard or whatever. And you're sitting here in Texas saying, why are they still making that brand? And you know, if you're in the pack Northwest, it's a big brand, right? Lone Star is a huge brand in Texas, not a big brand elsewhere. Of course, that's, that's PAPS, so I don't want to confuse the issue here, but Molson, Molson Coors cutting 100 SKUs, not a big deal to Molson Coors. In fact, it'll make them more efficient, um, longer runs. I mean, it's very clear why they are cutting 100 SKUs. They've done the math. The lost volume and sales isn't going to be that material to Molson Coors. What it is material to is a, is a distributor in an area where one of those brands or SKUs that they cut is a, is a big brand. And so, you know, we're already hearing um, some grumbling about that, but there's really, it's kind of a bite the bullet type thing that um, I've always thought the big brewers are, have been over skewed for 20 years. And the only other point, the, the second point I wanted to make is that I don't know how many quarters in a row that, that AB has outperformed Molson Coors pretty significantly. And the, the divergence there is getting wider and wider uh, with every quarter. You, you know, in the past, since 2008, the two companies have been equally shitty. And now, <laughs> now they're, you know, they're, they're, they're diverging. And, it, and it's not, I think it's just because AB just has more share and more muscle to be able to push more products and more breweries and more lines and more packaging options. And, you know, they just more chain. They have it all. It's hard. But anyhow, so. you know, scale matters in this business. Right? And, yeah. and ABI's got scale. The other thing that matters is, uh, you know, their innovation engine has been pretty good, as as has uh, 
uh, Molson Coors. But, yeah. you know, that, that little brand they've got, Mick Ultra, has got, you know, it's got a lot of scale. And you look at what Mick Ultra Seltzer has done and what Mick Ultra has done for retailers. And, uh, you know, scale matters. Yeah. I mean, Mick Ultra, every time I run a 26.1 mile marathon, I always look forward to that first ice cold McUltra, you know? <laughs> I know what you mean. And in fact, yeah. I remember that last marathon we were at where I saw you. Right. The fun run. It was right. the fun run, right? The charity fun run where we raised a bunch of money, you and I. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they they call it fun run, I guess, because it rhymes. But there's really no there's there's no comparison between the word fun and the word run. They shouldn't even be in the same sentence, much less the same phrase. Anyway, you know, you, you come from a long uh, lineage of data mining and uh, you, you, you looked at numbers uh, longer than most people have. And the numbers this year are screwy, obviously, because of COVID. But what are you seeing like um, this kind of seltzer so- softness that kind of took a lot of people by surprise this summer? Yeah, you know what? Uh, Harry, first, let's let's make sure we keep it in perspective, right? The uh, seltzer softness is the the segment is still growing twice as fast as any other segment in beverage alcohol, right? right. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the the slowdown in growth to me, I you know, last couple of weeks, you've seen a lot of wringing of hands and gnashing of teeth, and I I don't. I don't believe it's that much of a surprise because if you think about how quickly it scaled up, okay, White Claw and Truly are literally mega brands, right? Both of them are in the top 10 brands in the category. Think about two brands of that scale that quickly, how high is up, right? At the end of the day, you can only... You, you look back over the last 20 years and the average consumer has only, I say only, the average consumer drinks two and a half gallons of ethanol, right? Right, yeah. So, yeah, so really it turns into a math problem. If there's two and a half gallons of ethanol, seltzer scales up that big, it's got to stop somewhere or you have to understand where you're going to continue to source from, right? Because... Sort half the sourcing is coming from beer, half of it's coming from wine and spirits. So, where else is it going to come from, right? Uh, yeah, because wine, the spirits certainly isn't slowing down. No. You know, we haven't seen them slow. Wine slowing down a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it's got to. I mean, it's. I think it's coming from has been coming from light beer and budget beer and wine mostly and then all of the things <laughs> oh you know i mean basically everything like jen says everybody drinks everything and um but you're right that's a really good point we we always we forget that that per capita consumption of pure ethanol really doesn't change that much i mean it's been it's been the same for 20 years i mean it's dipped up and down a little bit and they say maybe it went up a little bit this last year just because everybody has nothing to do except drink, but, um, but yeah, we're all fighting and, you know, seltzer is really just another form of this other carrier of ethanol that has got, was so hot, but, um, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's premium. So I know it's definitely a win for the, for the beer industry as a whole, 
because it's running through beer distributors, most of it's malt based and and it's a it's at a premium even to premium beer. So it's definitely a trade up. I'm I, I guess I'm surprised because seltzers really still even at 10, 13% share off premise, much lower on premise. Like you said, nothing's ever grown that fast ever. Right. Except maybe you know, maybe Miller Light was a close, but even Miller Light, it still took five to ten years for it to get going. This took two years, really. And the the the, the question to me is it's only scratched the surface. I think, you know, when, when I look at young people really, you know, people 21 to 25, I don't see anybody drinking beer. So, you know, really it's older people that are carrying the traditional beer route. I guess there's a limit to how much young people can drink. <laughs> I mean, you would think there wouldn't be, but yes, there is. Well, well I have- I'm gone, Jen. I'm sorry. Well, and I had something to add on to that to ask you, Nick. Do you think that this is, and it doesn't even matter, is seltzer and RTD and and that whole thing, is that a separate category? And if it is, you know, from the main three, and if it is, what does that even mean, right? Like to Harry's point about how big it could get, who drinks it? Well, um, first of all, you mean spirit-based RTDs, right? Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Either. I mean, cells or RTDs, I feel like people throw them all into the same category, even though distributors don't want us to do that. Like, we can't parse that out from, you know, the way that suppliers describe their own products. That whole cells or RTD category, right? Like, is that, whether it's spirit malt-based, maybe you do want to parse that out. But either way, does that somehow sit outside of beer, wine, and spirits to the consumer? No, nope. they see that as different. I really, you know what? I don't think so. And to be honest with you, Jen, I look at all this stuff. And I remember I got into this debate with uh, a lot of craft brewers. Remember back in the day when the uh, early on, when we were trying to figure out what a craft beer was. Yep. <laughs> and I said, you know what? At the end of the day, the consumer doesn't care about definitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The consumer, you know, you go back to this whole deal of, two and a half gallons of ethanol, right? Consumer really doesn't care if it's malt-based, spirit-based. They're going to spend so much money on on RTDs and and ethanol. And and so I think the RTDs, number one, I think they fold into the category because to me, it's it's a question of how are you going to capture more share of that ethanol dollar? And really, there's only three ways to do it, right? You get more people to drink, you get them to drink more often, or you get them to uh, increase their spend. That's the only way to do it. There's only three ways of doing it, right? And so, you know, as you think about that, every time one goes up, the other one's got to go down. And the beauty of RTDs is it plays into some real unique consumer trends, right? A lot of them are locale. But more importantly, they're, they're in cans, they're super portable, they're super convenient, and so they're, they're fit, and they fit on occasions that are growing, right? The at-home occasion is growing tremendously. The, it's a quick, easy after-work occasion. It's a great barbecue, big family gathering uh, occasion. So I think you're going to see that blurring continue. And I also, you know, you think about it, you think about that whole deal that uh, 
Boston Beer and Beam just made. Yeah. I, look, I've, I've been around Jim Cook and, and some Beam guys, you know, in my past life. These guys are smart. Yeah. They're smart. There's, there's no question that there's going to be continued crossover and there's huge upside in both. Well, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say they're smart. I mean, come on, the shit it sells itself. Come on. They have great brand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I say smart, they're no Harry Schumacher. But... <laughs> uh, oh, of course not. Nobody is. But those are, yeah, that's, those are some good points. Um, I wish, I wish I knew what the truly product is going to look like that they're going to come up with for, for beam to handle. Um, still not a lot of clarity on that. Jordan, what are you, what are, what are your thoughts over there? Uh, Jim kind of hinted that it was going to be a vodka. Uh, I don't think he, he kind of, uh, let that slip on the earnings call that it was going to be a vodka. So I think it's going to be like some sort of flavored, truly flavored vodka. Um, kind of going back to the seltzer piece, I, I think we have uh, just scratched the surface as a category, but um, kind of what Nick was saying, uh, those brands got really, really big last year, and it was like a perfect um, setting for them with everything going through the off-premise. And that's it's kind of what I was talking about yesterday, uh, was for a brand like uh, White Claw Variety Pack number one, that skew was almost a top 10 brand. And it was just one skew. I don't know if we'll see skews get as big as some of those were last year, just with all the new entrants and um, all the new innovation coming in. And White Claw Variety Pack number three, that's your horse. That you're riding. <laughs> yeah. You keep bringing that up. And it well, is. No, I, I want because I, I want you to stand by your bold predictions. I, I do think it's going to be the number one innovation in Seltzer this year. All right. Well, all right. Hey, look, that's uh, Jordan with all due respect, brother, that is not a, uh, that's not really a bold pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank I mean, you. Let Nick. me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, the biggest, biggest brand in the segment. Yeah. And he's talking uh, about for, he's talking about for all beer. Oh, okay. Well, that all yeah, beer. I still, I still am, uh, I'm still not going to, well, well, I I'm still going to push you a little well, bit. You're not really extending well, yourself on that. But, but, but They're giving part, me a hard time. So I, I no, it, thank it, you. Part of this not is, me, is, Harry. Part of this is me joke is, is, is kind of a running joke with, with Jordan. Cause he keeps bragging about how lording it over everybody, how he has, he was the one who predicted number three. It was going to go off true. the tables. And <laughs> Nick, what's, ha- what's happening here, so. Nick, is, uh, as you know, Harry, he loves to beat a dead horse. So. Oh, yeah. Right. oh, yeah. Well, I, I tell you, with all the innovation. All right, Jordan, I'm going to give you one here. With all uh-huh. the Seltzer innovation, that was really bold of you to go up because there's so many good brands. Um, you know, and, and there are. If you look at it, right, there's, there's some pretty good innovation. Uh, Toco Chica is pretty solid, you know, Vizzy's, uh, solid, you know, the problem is there's so darn many of them that they're going to dilute, you know, it's going to dilute the segment. And and I would submit that a lot of retailers potentially have already over-invested in the segment, right? So 
which is even going to help your pick even more because if you think about the promotional nature of White Claw and Truly, uh, retailers are investing in that brand. They're using it as a loss leader, right? They're using yeah. they use Bud Light and Miller Light and Coors Light to drive traffic. So, um, you know, I think White Claw and Truly are going to benefit from that, which is going to continue to let them build their scale and accelerate that scale advantage they have. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, the, I don't see a lot of these other seltzers other than the big three, four, the big four now. Yeah, uh, they don't have chain departments to speak of. They don't have you know the, the they don't have these automatic ends into the set <clears throat> that uh, the big brewers have. Um, yeah, but on the other hand like you said, the consumer doesn't really see a difference, but I'm sure they're scratching their head as to why there is a Coors seltzer in the first place, because seltzer is a vodka soda, not a beer. Um, and I think that's why those beer branded seltzers haven't, they're, they're kind of slowing down to the point where Coors seltzer slowed down to zero. Right. <laughs> that's a, that's a big slowdown. <laughs> <laughs> Some may call that a screeching halt. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, but you know, I, will Bud Light Seltzer be here in three years? I mean, maybe. I mean, I mean, look, I said that Bud Ice wouldn't be here in three years. I said that 25 years ago. And look at Bud Ice. It's still <laughs> rocking and rolling. And love that brand. Love it. They why don't they have a Bud Ice Seltzer? I don't know. You know what? It could be on the could be on the <laughs> could be could be on the board. I Damn, mean, you're a bastion of innovation there, Harry. Oh, listen, uh, I came up with the sour balls as a shot. Uh, nobody is uh, cold beef yet to take me up on that idea. But don't forget about wild bubbles, wild which bubbles. I think is marketable. Yeah, <laughs> that could have some legs. <laughs> um, well, Nick, uh, thanks for coming on with us. Trying to keep these short. What, what else you got? Anything else that's been bothering you? No, you know, what's, what I've been spending a lot of time thinking about, though, and talking to people about uh, is, is really the whole information space, right? So as, as you think about what's going on in the category and the blurring of, of segments that, you know, we talked about and along Jen's question, now, there's a lot of opportunity to cobble all this data because there are there's piles and piles of data. And the question is, how do you take it from looking at, at market-level data of Nielsen and IRI, but getting it to a spot where you can actually execute against it, right? Right. When you, yeah. you know, you're talking, you started, Harry, about all the SKUs that Miller Coors is uh, discontinuing, right? And how it, it may have a disproportionate impact on uh, you know, one distributor over the other. But if you think about it, most of these guys are stocking anywhere from 12 to 1500 items in their warehouse, right? Yeah. Average, average grocery store stocks, maybe 250. The average convenience store stocks, maybe 110. Yeah. So now the question is, with all those SKUs out there, how do you maximize your share as a distributor or supplier, right? So that's a lot of the questions that I'm getting. And there's, you know, there's some interesting things going on 
that, uh, you know, eventually we'll see the light of day that I think make a difference because at the end, it's all going to come down to segmentation and knowing exactly what to, how to execute in each individual store, right? There's 600 mm-hmm. of them out there that sell beverage alcohol. It's how do you optimize each of those independently in order to win as a distributor and as a supplier? Because right. the idea of, of putting everything uh, everywhere is probably not gonna not gonna fly, especially with all the uh, category proliferation and crossover. Right. That's what's you know top of mind. It's been I, you know I've talked to several people about it, uh, and I think it's really a, a case of. How do you how do you understand what's going to happen to the category, and how do you happen understand what's happening store by store? Uh, right. Having a better understanding of the shoppers of each of those stores, right? And 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 the structure of the account base has changed. I mean, there, there's fewer on premise coming back online. The ones that are coming back online are busier. There's more outdoor space. Um, whether people want to sit outdoors or not, they're going to have to. Right. Um, there's a, yeah. So, you know, thinking about how your account base in or your market has changed, you would think, yeah, that your mix is going to change a little bit, your product mix. And um, for instance, like we got wind that AB is going to quit making loose bottles completely um, for on-premise and, uh, I'm sure on-premise accounts are delighted because they, you know, on-premise, they're not stupid. They always hated loose bottles because they charge more for them. They're charging more for a package that doesn't have six-pack carriers or 12-pack carriers in it for on-premise and charging more <laughs> for that package. And um, anyway, the, I'm getting off topic. Uh, a lot of things, I think, um, the point I'm getting at, not very eloquently, is that the market's changed and the package has changed and the consumer's changed and everybody else is kind of slow to catch up. This is going to take a year or two, I think, for brewers and distributors and marketers and everybody to kind of get on, kind of figure out what the landscape looks like. Because I don't think anybody knows, you know, like, should we invest in sports? Should we invest in outdoor, like signage? Should we, you know, the Olympics? I mean, what's the RRI on this year's Olympics? Who knows? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I know viewership is down, but does that make the viewership more valuable? The ones that are watching, I, you know, it's just like, I think, feel like everybody's kind of just putting money where they always have because they don't know what to do differently. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that's the essence of the question that a lot of folks are, are trying to get at, which is, it's how do I solve the John Wanamaker question of, I know I'm wasting half my advertising budget. I just don't know which half, right? <laughs> it's how, to, it's how, to, how do you solve for that using all the data that's out there and understanding that from a retailer perspective, retailers really, they don't care about brands. They care about brand X, whoever the retailer is, and then within brand X, they care about beverage alcohol, right? Or beer. And whatever happens underneath, they're simply trying to optimize what happens underneath 
so that they can use the category for what it's really, really good at, which is running traffic. Right. So, yep. It is a it is a good traffic builder. You know, it gets me into the stores. When, well, yeah. So, I mean, although they do give free beer away at the end of a marathon. And so sometimes that's how I get my free beer. Um, you walk well, to the finish line. <laughs> no, no, no. That It's at home. Charge to get that Mick Ultra at the end of the marathon. That's right. <laughs> fun run for the kids. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, All right. thank you, Nick. It's good catching up with you. We'll good do this again. You, yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, and hey, Nick. Nick, also, thank you for drinking beer. I assume you're still a consumer. I am so. still a consumer. And in fact, since I've... Uh, I've retired. My beer budget has gone way up because I get free beer. So yeah, anyone yeah. out there listening to this that wants to help a retired guy out, a retired guy living on a fixed income, I might add. <laughs> Send Nick uh, beer. Send Nick, Send Nick beer. beer. All, right. All right. We'll see you guys later. Let's do this again, right. Harry. Jen, you good bet. seeing you, Jordan. Good care. Thanks. And, uh,